so grateful that you're here this morning. I just wanted to give you a good report about last week. Uh, we did our first first Saturday last weekend, uh, and it went phenomenal. Uh, we had the single largest weekend attendance last weekend, which would be Saturday and then the two services on Sunday. We had the single largest uh, regular weekend attendance. We had 300 people uh, last weekend. And so, amen, amen. <clears throat> Now, of course, uh, the emphasis is regular weekend. You know, last year at Christmas, we had 400, and then Easter, we always have between five and 600, but it was the largest single weekend attendance, and our heart is to reach people, amen? I know that's our heart, is that we're uh, sharing the gospel and ministering what God uh, is doing in our lives and be able to minister to them, so I'm so thankful. We'll do it again the first weekend of November, uh, first Saturday in November. Uh, we'll have church, and of course, we'll be talking about it, but I'm so grateful for your support. I'm so thankful for your giving. Have have y'all noticed the new windows that we had put in uh, the Java Cafe? Yeah, we had new windows put in. Uh, those old windows were pretty bad. Then the house next door where Kurt and Megan live, we had new windows and uh, new storm doors put in that house. And uh, they were old and uh, dilapidated, and so we had that change. Then I got one more thing to tell you. Right there, you may not know it or not, but where the Grand Zero building is, behind there is a piece of property that was owned by Harry Reeves, and he had a shop back there. Uh, you may not have even have seen it or been back there. Well, this last week, uh, his son, uh, they wanted to sell that piece of property. And so we were able to buy that property, and it came with that building. Now, that building's not permanent. It's temporary. Our heart is to get that building moved out of there because the teenagers use that space on Wednesday night. They play football back there. They play volleyball back there. And we've always mowed it. We've always used it. We've always taken care of it. And Harry Reeves, uh, who lived in Amarillo, always let us use it. But he's been getting older, and he wanted to get rid of it. And we didn't want somebody else to buy it. And who, you know what I'm saying. I mean, we didn't want somebody to buy it and then come knock on our door and say, hey, don't let any teenagers on my property because we'd be in trouble. Amen. So we bought it. And uh, so I wanted you to know that we've done that. And uh, I went down to do the paperwork at the uh, Hell County office. And the lady, when I went in there, said, so I guess y'all are expanding again. Like, amen, we are, we are. And she wasn't mean. She wasn't hateful. Uh, and I wasn't hateful back because when I do that, I have to apologize. Amen. Praise God. All right, I'm going to continue this morning on our series, I Love My Church. I have so enjoyed teaching this. Uh, let me just remind you what we've talked about so far. The first thing we found out is that church helps me to know God, uh, and, th and that's pretty important. Jesus, remember, told some people in the New Testament, depart from me because I, I never knew you. So Christianity is about knowing God. And, and a word for that that we use is the word worship. And what, what's worship mean? Well, you coming here this morning. Now, we just sang songs, and that's worship. But you being here for this service is worship. Now, now what is worship? Well, worship's putting Jesus at the center of my life. Uh, I gave the example last week of when I was a kid. You know, we were taught there's a throne in my heart. I stepped down off of it. Jesus steps up on it, and now he's my Lord, he's my boss, and I want him to be the center of my life. I want him to be the main part of my life. I'm not adding him along with everything else. I'm making him the center. The second thing we found out is that when I'm in church, it helps me connect with other believers. And we're called Tui Christian Fellowship. Now, fellowship is kind of a church word. You don't hear that word much anywhere else. And when I hear the word fellowship, I always think potluck dinners and, and you know, hanging out in the basement, okay? That's kind of how I grew up in church, you know? And so fellowship can be a little bit of a religious word. 
But it's so much more than that. If you're familiar at all with the movies, The Lord of the Rings, the very first one is called The Fellowship of the Ring. And in that story, uh, a hobbit who's a very small little guy has to go do this big job or this big quest, and he has a group of people who help him. If, If I could so get you to understand how important it is that we need each other and that, you know, so many times we can kind of, I think sometimes we can take church with an attitude of, well, I, it's there if I need it, but, but I don't always need it. We need each other. We need the fellowship of other believers in our life. Then the next thing we talked about last week is it helps me grow spiritually. And I gave you this statement. You learn about God through teaching. You become like God in community. And it's on the screen. You learn about God through teaching. You become like God in community. And I want you to leave that up for just a minute. I think that's one of the most powerful things I've said in this entire series, and it has brought so much clarity into my life and hopefully into your life. What we're doing right now is teaching the Word of God. It's important that we do this. It's important that we gather. But once I'm learning the Word of God, then I put it to work in my life, and that's when I become like God. Remember what we find out a disciple is? A disciple is somebody that's not just taking in knowledge. A disciple is someone who's endeavoring to become like the teacher. My Christianity is what? I want to be like Jesus. And so I gather in this place and I hear the word of God. Then I take Jesus Christ into my daily life and it helps me to grow spiritually. All right, what I want to show you this morning is this. When you're in church, one of the things that happens next is you discover your purpose. You discover your purpose. Now, don't miss this. Every single one of you have a purpose. God has designed you with a purpose, and he has something that he wants you to do. It's going to be up on the screen. We're not saved from something. He has saved us for something. All right, it's so important to understand that. See, Jesus saved me from myself, amen? He saved me from my sinful life. He saved me from my past, but he didn't just save me from something. He also has saved me for something. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and he has something for me to do, and he has something for you to do. I'm going to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 6 this morning, and I'm going to read starting with verse 1, then I'm going to skip and read verses 6, 7, and 8. Listen to what this says. It says, it was the year King Uzziah died. Now, just stop right there. All he's trying to do, see, he didn't say uh, it's August 2nd, 1995. He didn't do that. He said, hey, do you guys remember back when King Uzziah died? He's just giving him a reference point for when this happened. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Now, Now, Isaiah has this encounter with God in the throne room. Listen to what he said. He said, I saw God, and he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, if you would leave it right there, I've never seen God physically with my eyes. I can't wait for the day that I I get to have that encounter with God in eternity. I've never had the experience that he's had, but I just want you just for a second to imagine uh, he goes to heaven and he sees God sitting on a huge, on a lofty throne, and it says in the train of his robe, the robe like a king would wear, fills the temple. Now, if you would go to verses 6, 7, and 8, look what happens. Then one of the seraphim, that's an angel, that's a type of angel. In this text, there are angels flying around the throne room, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it says they have six wings. They have three pair. And with two wings, they cover their eyes, and with two, they cover their feet, and then they fly. Now, 
this is going on right now this morning while you and I are sitting in here in the throne room of God. These seraphim are flying around the throne and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. And so he's seeing this happen. Then one of the seraphim flies over to him, flies over to him, gets a burning coal. He takes it from the altar with a pair of tongs the next verse, he touched my lips with it, and he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Now stop right there. Listen, I'll let that soak into your heart. He touches his mouth with a coal from the altar, and the angel says, your guilt is removed. Now, my guilt wasn't removed with a coal from the altar. It was removed with the blood of Christ. My guilt has been removed. Oh, isn't that good news? My guilt has been removed. All right, listen to it. And your sins are forgiven. Do the next verse, please. Then I heard the Lord say, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, here's what I want you to see. He goes to heaven and he has this encounter with the living God. And in the very beginning, he feels undone. Okay, have you ever dreamed that you're in school and you're in your underwear? Everybody's had that dream, right? Right? You know, have you ever, you've all, we've all dreamed that, right? Or like, I'm at school and I don't have my books and my notebooks and Mrs. Fike is the teacher and she's in a bad mood. I, those are nightmares, right? Or, 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 or uh, Miss Schulte's, Miss Schulte's um, it's a nightmare, right? Okay, that's kind of a small way of saying what Isaiah felt. He felt naked and he felt exposed. He's in the holy God's presence and he feels naked and he feels exposed. And he says, I'm a sinner. I'm an unclean man. Do you remember in the New Testament where Jesus fills the boat with fish and Peter says what? Depart from me. I, I'm an, I'm, I don't just, you got to go. I can't stand to be in your presence because I'm a sinner. Okay. I'm not saying you're sinners this morning. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're born again. But it's this feeling of being undone. Then an angel flies over, takes a pair of tongs, takes a hot coal off the altar, comes over and touches his lips with it. Of course, his lips aren't burned. And he says, your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Now, did Isaiah do anything to make that happen? The answer is no, he did not. That's God's grace. Now, you don't do anything to earn or deserve God's grace. You don't do anything to have your guilt removed and to have your sins forgiven except, Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. He allowed the angel to touch his lips with the coals. His guilt was removed. His sins were forgiven. When you accept what Jesus did at the cross, your guilt was removed and your sin was forgiven and the grace of God is applied in your life. And then this is what God says. Don't you love this? God says, and I love, I love the heart of God. This is what I see in this. Hey, is there anybody we could send? You know, everybody in the room is looking at Isaiah, right? The angels are all looking out of the corner of their eye. What, you know, right? Right? Hey, is there, it's almost kind of, is rhetorical the right word? It's almost kind of half joking almost. It's like, you know, is there, is there anybody we could send? And Isaiah says, well, hey, what about me? What, what about me? I'll, I'll go. Now, I don't want you to miss this. His guilt is removed. He gets grace. And then God wants to send him. Now, here's the mistake sometimes we make. I don't know if you've done this before. 
Sometimes we come into church and we think, I got to get my act together. I got to get cleaned up, man. I got to get my, my, my life together. And then as soon as I do, then I can come to Christ. As soon as I get everything worked out, then God will want to use me. But he can't use me yet because I've got this issue or I've got that issue or I've got this issue. And as soon as I get all that worked out, then God will want to use me. Because the reason he uses pastors is because pastor has his act together. <laughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> right? Yeah. <laughs> because pastor has his act together. And so as soon as I get my act together, he wants to use me. Listen, I hope you know this. If you don't, I want to remind you. Grace was offered to you, and God gave you grace, and you said yes. Now he's ready to use you. I've got a saying, we have it on the chalkboard at the red desk, saved people, serve people. All right, listen to me. When you understand the grace of God that's been given to you, when you understand my guilt is gone, my sins are forgiven, the grace of God has changed me, you will want to help others. You'll want to reach out to others. You'll want to serve others when you understand. See, that's why it's easy to worship on Sunday morning for me personally. You know why? Because I know I was guilty. Okay? I know I was guilty. I know I was a sinful man. I know I was undone. But the grace of God forgave me and cleansed me. Saved people love to serve people. Now, I want you to understand something. This is going to scare some of you, but it's okay. Every single one of you are called to minister. Every single one of you are called to minister. Now, you know what the first thing you think? No, no, pastor. (laughs) I'm not called to minister to anybody. You're you're the minister, okay? Right? I'm not a minister here. I'm an attender, Okay? And, and you're the minister, and, and I'm glad that I'm here. But, but you know, I'm not, I'm not in the ministry per se, and, and that can scare you. But I want to put something up, and I want to show you something very simple, okay? God-given gifts, God's given you gifts, amen? Every single one of you have gifts. And when you use those gifts to serve others, you know what happens in your life? You fulfill God's purpose. And when that happens, you know what you're doing? You're doing ministry. Now, leave that up. I don't want you to miss this. Across this room, all across this room, every one of you have God-given gifts. Every one of you have a purpose. Every one of you. And when you take those God-given gifts and you take that purpose and you use it to serve others, you know what happens? God's purpose is fulfilled in your life. And I just want to encourage you in something so powerful. Many of you do it every single day already. I don't look across this room at anybody that maybe is not doing this. I just want you to recognize that you're doing it, recognize that God's purpose is at work in your life and that it's being fulfilled and that God is using you to do ministry. You're not just an attender. You're a minister. Let me say it one more time. You take your God-given gifts and you serve others. Now, just let me give you a simple example. Leave that up, please, in my family. And it's my daughter. She's a teacher. And I believe she's called by God to teach school. When she would come home from school, when she was little, she would play school. When Kurt would get home from school, he would play preacher. Okay? And he would preach, and he would pretend like he was a preacher, and she would pretend like she was a teacher. All that is is what's stirring in their heart. 
Just like Kurt's called to ministry, she's called to teach school. And she uses her gifts to serve her students. And when that happens, God's purpose happens. And she is in ministry. You are in ministry. Are you with me? I want to read to you out of Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. I want to make something clear to you, and I want to answer a simple... This will help some of you. Really, it will. There's two groups of people in the body of Christ, okay? Listen to what this says in Ephesians 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. If you would, please leave that last verse up. Now, I want you to understand something very simple. There's two groups of people in the body of Christ. There's those who are called to vocational ministry, who are called to full-time ministry. I'm a pastor. I'm I'm on that list. Evangelist, pastor, prophet, teacher. And I make a living in the ministry because you give in the offering, and part of that goes to me to allow me to live and to do ministry. Then there's the rest of you who are not in quote, full-time ministry. In other words, you don't do it as a job. You don't come to the church every day and work at the church, and not not every one of you are supposed to. There's two groups of us. But I want you to notice something in that verse. I've been given. God has sent me here for you, and I want you to see what it says. It says, I have a responsibility to you, and that responsibility is to do one thing, and I want you to notice the one word, and it's the word equip. Do you know what we're supposed to be doing here on Sunday? We're supposed to be showing up in this place, and I'm supposed to bring the Word of God to you. It's my responsibility to equip you so you can go out into your world, out into your life, and do ministry. Now, now what, what did I say? God-given gifts, serving others with His purpose, and you're in the ministry. Okay? Some are called to full-time ministry. Some are not. Now, let me give you the analogy very simply of just let me equate being a coach with being a pastor. And it's, it's not a stretch. Vicki and I went this week to a uh, health fair at the hospital, and we both got our flu shots. And the lady who gave me my shot, as she's getting ready to do it, she said, hey, are you still coaching? And it's not a stretch, right? It's not, I'm not a coach like she's thinking, okay? She knew she'd seen me before. She'd seen me at school. She just couldn't place me. And so she's thinking that I'm a coach. Listen, I take that as a compliment, Okay, I have nothing but love and respect and honor for coaches. I take it as a compliment. All right, and I just want to explain something to you so simple and powerful this morning about what coaches do and what pastors do. Imagine this afternoon if Bill Belichick, you know, he uh, is the coach for the Patriots and Brady's back and he'll probably break his leg today and never play again. I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm just talking, right? I'm just, or, or his back or his neck or something. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, he's not going to break his back, okay? That's a little too far, isn't it? All right? Imagine if Bill Belichick was in the locker room today and he put on the football uniform with the helmet and he ran out with the team and he's standing on the sideline bouncing up and down. One of the guys would say, Coach, Coach, what are you doing? Well, I'm playing today. I'm playing today. I'm just tired of the way y'all are playing. I'm tired of the job y'all are doing, and I've decided I'm playing today. And I got my uniform on, and I'm playing today. And you know what they would say? Coach, you're going to get killed. Okay, coach, you're going to get killed. You cannot go out there with those men in their 20s and 30s and play football. They're going to tear you in half. You know what we do in church? 
we all show up in church and we want the coach to play in the game. We want the coach to win the game and we're all going to watch. When my job, my responsibility is to equip you to do ministry in your life. Now, let me show you three simple things coaches do. First off, coaches don't play in the game. Coaches call out players' gifts. Now, don't miss this. One of my responsibilities is to call out your gifting. Hey, you're good at that. Hey, thanks for helping empower kids. Thanks for being on the worship team. Thanks for what you do. It's my responsibility to call out your gift. The next thing is to help you to develop your gift. And then the last thing is to help you to deploy your gift. That's what my responsibilities are. So you can do what? So you can take your gift, you can minister to others, and God's purpose can be fulfilled in your life. Listen to me. Don't miss this. This is so life-changing. If you would embrace this, we couldn't build buildings fast enough to hold everybody. We'd have to meet outside. Because you'd go out in your week and you'd do ministry and you'd reach out to people and you'd love people and you'd pray for people. And when somebody was in the hospital, you'd go see them and pray for them. When somebody had a need, you'd help them. And you'd use your gifting to do the purposes of God every single day. And this place would explode. And it'd, it'd be all I could do to equip you and help you and knock the dents out of your armor and love you and encourage you and send you back out. Think how so many churches are just the opposite. Everybody shows up to watch ministry. Now, here's what's amazing. We've talked about this in the past a little bit. Attending church is not a spiritual gift. Yeah. You know what most Christians think? Man, I was in church Sunday. Woo-hoo! Man, I'm doing good. God loves me. The preacher loves me. The lady that counts the money loves me. I was in church. Attending church is not a spiritual gift. You're not going to get to heaven. And Jesus said, man, I gave you the gift of attending, and you knocked it out of the park. (laughs) I mean, you literally knocked it out of the park. You're one of the best attenders I ever saw, and we want to reward you for attending. There is no spiritual gift of attending. What are we supposed to be doing here? Well, I'm supposed to be equipping you encouraging you, we're supposed to be loving and ministering and encouraging each other, then we're supposed to go back out into the battle with our gifts and with our abilities and do ministry and come back in here next Sunday with our tongues hanging out, panting and having to hang on our knees and I need a donut and I need some coffee and I need some prayer, man, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing and we do it every seven days, bam, 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 bam. And we need each other. Listen to the next thing. There's two groups of people in the body of Christ. The coaches who are the pastors and God's people who are the players. But there's a group that's not listed. You know who it is? There's no fans. There's no fans. There's only coaches and there's players. There's no fans in the body of Christ. There's no chairs. There's no stands. There are stands. There are chairs. But you know where they are? They're in heaven. I want to read it to you out of Hebrews 12, verse 1. Look what this says. It says, Therefore, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Listen, there are fans. You know who they are? They're the folks who've died and gone on to heaven. 
And it says right there, we have a great cloud of witness. And you know what they're doing? Well, they're doing the wave and they're high-fiving and they're cheering and they're doing all they can do to encourage us. And we just don't see them or hear them, but they're there doing it. They're the fans. Come on, you can do it. Come on, don't get discouraged. Come, come on, get up. And then you know what we do? We show up here and we get coached and we get encouraged and we know that we're forgiven and we love each other and pray for each other. We high-five each other. We get out on the field and go back to the game and we love and pray and minister and come back in here and get some help and get some encouragement. And they're there, yeah, you did good this week. Oh, you're going to make it. But you know what most of us think is, well, I'm a fan. I'm going to watch. No, no. You are going to watch someday, but not as long as you're here. Listen, God has a purpose for every single one of you. Now, I don't want to mess you up with this. I want you to know my heart. I see purpose all over every single one of you. And I'm not saying you're not walking in your purpose. I just want you to recognize it. That's all I want you to do. Listen to the the last thing. Did you know that 85% of people have no emotional connection to their job? Let me read it to you again. 85% of people have no emotional connection to their job. Haven't you discovered like I have, living for yourself doesn't work, does it? See, if life's about my paycheck and my house and my car and my stuff, life's empty. I want to ask you a question, and we're going to close. What are you doing with your life? Can I push on you a little bit this morning? What are you doing with your life? What's your ministry? God wants to do something through you. Do you know that if you'll allow God to work his purposes in your life, you don't have to change jobs. He will enrich and fulfill your job. God, I want to be used by you. So I just want to ask you, are are you fulfilling God's purpose in your life? What have you been doing with your life? Or has it all been about you? God, I thank you for the gifts you've given me, for using that to touch people. And as I do, your purpose is fulfilled in my life. And then you know what the result of that is? Peace, fulfillment, and joy. When you lay your head down at night, you sleep well because you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. Father God, I'm so grateful for the body of Christ. I'm so thankful for Tulia Christian Fellowship and for every person in this service today. And Father God, my heart, my heart this morning is that they're encouraged, Father. And I just want to pray the three things I said, Father, that your gifts that are in them would stir up. Lord, they would serve others. And as they do that, they are fulfilling your purpose. And they are in the ministry. Father, I'm I'm the most blessed Lord. And it's not the good word, but I'm the luckiest and most blessed pastor in the world to be pastor here at Tulia Christian Fellowship and to have these folks in my life and in my family. Father, I'm so thankful this morning for what you're doing through us in this community, in this county. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said?